functional programmers are really good jokers. They have the best one-liners. I'm not a functional programmer. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Today is Wednesday, June 27th. This is Aaron filling in for Michael, who's currently out in the field, enjoying the final day of an event apart in Boston. Hashtag A-E-A-B-O-S. Did you catch episode 13 of Drunken UX earlier this week? A disconnected functional CSS of my wretchedness. Be sure to check out that, as well as episode 1 of our new series, Build Process, where Michael talks with web developer Paul Gilzow, Hi, Paul, about his experience and journey as a web developer. Two years ago, the world of esports was blessed or cursed with the debut of the first neural net backed AI bot that was actually skilled enough to square off 1v1 against some of the top players in the world. The game was Dota 2, which is a MOBA or multiplayer online battle arena. Dota 2 is a game I've played personally and am horrible at, even after 1,100 hours of practice. <laughs> and it pits two five-player teams against one another in a strategic and tactical game of tempo, where the goal is to destroy the other team's base while preventing the other team from destroying yours. Between individual player strategy, in-game decisions, and team tactics, the game requires a hefty amount of skill and practice to play at the professional level. The Dota 2 International is like this game's World Cup, and the last year's prize pool exceeded $24 million US, with each player of the winning team receiving nearly $2 million each, with prizes cascading down to 18th place where each member received a little over $10,000 each. OpenAI, which I think is .com, co-founded by Elon Musk of Tesla and PayPal and SpaceX and other evil genius things. They've written an AI that can play the game very, very well. Two years ago at TI6, it successfully beat the world's top players in one-on-one -on -one duels demonstrated live. This year, they have expanded their outfit to have five separate AI-controlled bots working in tandem with one another, able to evaluate and respond to the actions of their teammates and opponents with split-second accuracy. On the back end, the stack is running on 124,000 cores on Google Cloud. When they run simulations to train the neural net, they're able to simulate 180 years of play in a single day of simulations. No word yet on whether or not the computers that effectively spend centuries playing video games instead of interacting with other computers would be declared to have a gaming disorder, according to the WHO. In the somewhat similar world of meat-space sports, advances in computation and high-resolution videography have led a Belgian fellow, Willy Z, his last name I would likely butcher if I tried to pronounce it, but you can find it in the show notes, to posit, what if we replaced human referees with cameras and computers? Willy Z landed a 50,000 Swiss franc, roughly 50,000 US dollars, prize from the Hasler Foundation for his project Colina, which uses a combination of cameras and computers to observe and adjudicate sports plays as they happen. The example used in the article was tennis, which if you have ever watched tennis matches, there's a lot of strife between the players and the refs. <laughs> 
This leaves me wondering, though, about how long it will be before AI players start cursing like McEnroe and AI referees for what they believe are bad calls, and will there be a stack trace? On the lighter side, Burke Holland on The Next Web writes about his experience writing a Slack bot that can control a lamp on his desk, with the headline, I built a bot and now I know why bots are so dumb. If you're curious at all about how bot scripts work that aren't backed by the heft of 124,000 Google Cloud cores, particularly those with lexical parsing, it's an entertaining read. How good is your CSS? Alberic Tronker, pardon my French, has written Write Better CSS from Hell to Heaven, Part 1, on theodo.fr, which distills the bigger concepts about modern CSS down to some pretty simple-to-follow rules and explanations. He covers style rule specificity, now with Sith visualization, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have to look to see what I mean. Advice on how and when to comment in your CSS, quote, a good CSS comment explains the intention behind a selector slash rule. And some suggestions about whether or not you should use ID or HTML attribute selectors. Okay, so if you happen to catch my thoughts on this topic in our functional CSS episode of Drunken UX that I mentioned earlier, number 13, I have to say, I believe I stand corrected. Yeah. The author addresses the to cascade or not to cascade question by encouraging the use of preprocessor mix-ins, which allow the elegant dryness of CSS, but without the potential for cross-style splash. The single-purpose site digitaldesign.tools features summaries and direct links to some of the top software tools used by digital designers today, including Sketch, Adobe XD. Does anyone else see the emoji, like capital X, capital D, when they look at that? I, I don't know if that was intentional or not. Uh, Webflow, Atomic, and numerous other newer tools. If you're looking for cutting-edge tools, this would be a good site to check in on occasionally. Lastly, in the Keanu Reeves, whoa of CSS, there's css-tricks.com. They published a deep dive into drawing calligraphy using SVG animations, replete with diagrams, demonstrations, and code snippets. It sits at the intersection of awesome jifes of people hand-lettering calligraphy and sweet coding tricks you didn't know you needed. It's pretty damn cool. Check it out. Back in episode 7, when we talked about breaking into the biz and also sharpening your skills to stay in the game, we mentioned some sites that are useful for leveling up your code skills. There are a few of these that I still use on a regular basis, either to hone my knowledge of the languages I know or to branch out into a new language. One of the challenges of autodidactic learning is often the lack of structure, the resistance weight that we need to lift with our brains, like Yoda. These websites offer a plethora of approaches for skill drilling at your own pace and on your own time, and they're all free, exclamation point. As a Rubyist, a couple that I really wanted to give a shout out to are Ruby Cohen's, R-U-B-Y-K-O-A-N-S.com and CodeWars.com, both of which were extremely helpful to me personally in my journey in becoming a Rails dev. Ruby Cohen's is a guided path through the, using the basics of Ruby, where you learn a series of lessons by solving very simple problems mediated through an ordered test suite. To solve the problem, you just need to make the test pass. It's quite literally learning through test-driven development, which is a very core thing for Ruby. Code Wars, on the other hand, is a polyglot website that includes Ruby, JavaScript, PHP, Clojure, 
R, Haskell, many other contemporary languages. You choose the language you want to practice in and are given a rank. Those of you with martial arts experience will recognize the ranking system. The exercises that you're given are appropriate for your rank, and as you complete them and earn internet points, your rank advances and the exercises become iteratively more difficult. Some of them are solvable with one-liners, others may require some research into advanced algorithms. All solutions are run against a secret battery of automated tests to verify completion, and after a successful submission, you can see how other people solved it. For me, it's been a great reason to dive through the Ruby docs and to learn new methods and patterns. One last one. Exorcism.io, that's E-X-E-R-C-I-S-M.io, is a fun challenge that's more rigorously structured than the others. You choose your language and then subscribe to the track. You fetch each exercise in sequence and submit your code via the command line, which is then run against automated tests on the remote server. If your code passes, your profile is updated and the next exercise becomes available. The exercises include classics like the sieve of Eratosthenes, oh my god, <laughs> or prime number calculation, domain-specific exercises like DNA-RNA parsing, making a chain of dominoes, ciphering, etc. They're a lot of fun and a great way to spend 30 minutes a day to sharpen up your skills or to level up into something new. Thanks so much for joining us for Real-Time Overview this week. We'll be back again soon with another episode of Drunken UX. If you're at an event apart in Boston, be sure to reach out to Michael. That's at Feenan on Twitter, F-I-E-N-E-N, and say hi. While you're at it, connect with us at Drunken UX on Facebook or Twitter, and come chat with us on our Slack, drunkenux.com slash Slack. Until then, keep your personas close and your users closer.